often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 580. <laughs> As I look to see what episode we're on. Gonna drag it out a little bit. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Albrecht, recording once again inside the Slapbox penthouse, my trusty sidekick, Agent Fox Mulder. One of these days I'm gonna say that, and he's gonna meow. Like, he's responding and actually being my sidekick, but not today, apparently. As yes, he, he is looking over my direction, though. He's laying on the floor, and uh, <laughs> not happy that I'm not giving him attention. I just ate some Subway, and he gets jealous every time I eat. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm pretty good about not sharing, so very irate about that. Oh, anyway, as uh, I'll try to stop hitting the mic, <coughs> seems to be a problem tonight. It's smacking the old headphones against the mic stand. It's not working out very well. Uh, yeah, I uh, unfortunately had uh, uh, Shelly and myself, my, my co-host, which hasn't been on in a long time, uh... He uh, is, you know, he's got a, a life of his own, and uh, I, you know, I, it, we started out doing at least the two of us forever. But uh, you know what? I'll probably be on again at some point, or whatever, or or I'll just stop doing this. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what the future lies. Anywho, and of course, Shelley would be my brother. That is, <clears throat> and uh, we we had an unfortunate, uh, I guess, uh, death in the family. And uh, that's kind of how this weekend started. Uh, got the news of that, which is, uh, of course, unfortunate. And uh, <coughs> it was actually uh, uh, my cousin Chris, who passed away in 2020. We we had mentioned that on the podcast. I don't think we talked a whole lot about Chris. We had Chris on briefly. Oh, fuck. Like on a uh, on a phoner. Like years ago. Years and years ago. And uh, unfortunately, like the audio was shit. I didn't really have much to go off hearing from. But uh, you know, of course, <coughs> uh, Shelley was almost like a brother to Chris. They hung out all the time. And <coughs> when I was a young kid, I uh, didn't have many friends until like really until. Like sixth grade, sixth grade's when I started to have like my own friends. I had like one friend before that, Carl Schrader. It was like my one friend. <laughs> Pre sixth grade, like that's all I would like talk to. I'd go like uh, hang out at his house. We'd watch fucking WWF. That was our thing. Uh, big, big into wrestling. Of course, Nightmare on Elm Street too. We both had a love for Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, we played Nintendo and uh, like fucking watched wrestling and shit. That was basically. And G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, of course, was huge for me at that time. But other than that, if I wasn't hanging out with Carl Schrader. That was like an early friend. Again, pre-sixth grade, man. I basically just hung around my brother. <laughs> and uh, 
and and his friends. He had friends, and I was just the, the annoying little brother, I guess. It's like, uh, fuck, I guess we got to take him with us kind of thing. And, yeah, Chris was several years older than Shelly there, and uh, <clears throat> I guess, fuck, he was... He was like eight years older than me or so. And uh, I have to think about this. How old was I in 2020? (laughs) Fuck, I was 39. Uh, So he was 47. (laughs) So yeah, he was eight eight years older than me. Uh, Do some math. Funky math. Anyway. And uh, Shelly's like three and a half years older than me. So they were slightly closer in age. But there was definitely... Uh, Shelly had uh, lived with Chris on multiple occasions, if I, if I recall correctly. And, uh, I mean, they were they were tight, those two, for a long time. And uh, I looked up to Chris, of course, too, but I was, you know, way young. You know, when you're a kid, eight years apart is uh, fucking a lifetime. <laughs> when, you know, he's a teenager, basically, and I'm fucking, like, six. <laughs> and, uh... It was, you know, yeah. We let's just say I can see how that might be annoying for this, you know, small kid to be hanging around when basically in high school, you know. And so, uh, I was, I was not as close, but uh, Shelley was definitely close. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, his uh, Chris's uh, ex-wife to whom uh, they were married for quite some time, and they were together, I believe, quite a while before being married. Uh, Misty, she unfortunately is the one that passed away. They have, uh, they had two kids together, uh, Layla and, and Cole. Um, but uh, unfortunately, she passed away, so now, I mean, that's fucking just shit to lose both of your parents. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, yeah, not a great way to start the weekend. But uh, it's it's definitely been <laughs> flashing back memories of you know uh, stuff. But uh, really, it'd be great to have like Shelly on to tell some of the stories that. Uh, I, I mean, I knew Misty a bit. Like, I mean, they were married for quite some time, and uh, <clears throat> mainly it was like family get-togethers and such. But there was a few times going out because they lived about an hour away. Like, uh, and, uh, I would go out there occasionally. There was a few times. And then mainly, though, it was, it would see them during the holidays and shit. But, uh, and we went to a Tool concert all together before, uh, Shelly, myself, and, uh, Chris and Misty. And, uh, Leslie, that, uh, used to, was on the early days of the podcast. Uh, and that Tool concert might have been. Now I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I don't think we're doing the podcast yet at that point. I don't I don't remember what year that was. I I am not sure. <laughs> it was probably probably right before the podcast started, I would say. Um and of course Misty told me one of the funniest stories I've ever heard in my life that unfortunately I can't share with you on this podcast. Cuz it involves another relative. <laughs> And I just can't divulge that story. And because of that story, like, seeing this other relative, (laughs) it's 
is awkward. We'll just say that. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, one of the funny things I remember, uh, from that, I went to their wedding, of course, which was shit. Man, that was, whew, I don't remember. It was, fuck, over 20 years ago. I don't, I don't remember what year that was. Or was it 20 years ago? I'm, I'm not real sure. It was a, it was a long time ago. I mean, I had to be like a 18, 19. I'm not sure how old I was. Maybe 20-ish? 20-ish? So it was around, I would say it was around 20-ish years ago. Ish. Ish. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, they had it at Stonehill Winery over there in, uh, Herman, Missouri. And I recall that uh, Misty's father, um, who unfortunately just passed away fairly recent as well, and uh, I I don't have much stories. Around. I was only around him very briefly. Uh, of course, Shelley spent a lot of time around. Him. He's got some pretty funny stories with him. I guess. But uh, they, you know, they uh, they lived out in the boonies. And uh, this give you kind of an idea. This is how fantastic. Like, okay, you know, they're they're saying the nuptials and everything, going through the whole spiel. And uh, <clears throat> her father, of course, does the. Uh, as soon as they they say I do, basically, he he's like, "Fuck this tux, man! I am getting out of this." Like he, uh, I believe he walked her down the aisle in the tux and everything. And uh, then he's like, "Yeah, fuck this, man! I am." Uh, <laughs> I'm getting in my comfortable clothes. Like before they even took the pictures of everybody, like he was already stripped down into his like his his normal attire. He got his uh, NASCAR shirt on, and uh, I think it. I don't don't quote me on this, but I believe it was like cut off jean shorts <laughs> with a NASCAR shirt. I know it was definitely a NASCAR shirt. I feel like some shorts. It was like summertime, you know. <laughs> Which I've been a part of on one occasion. Uh, I was a best man for uh, my buddy Todd's uh, uh, first wedding. And uh, I got to say, we, tuxes are fucking hot. And, you know, weddings are gen- typically in the summer times, the summer months. That wedding happened to be, I only remember this because I have a flask with the date on it, 678. It was <laughs> June 7th, 2008. And holy fuck. Fuck, that was it was hot in that tux. So I can understand why you'd want to do that, but uh, I remember Misty being very upset with her father <laughs> because he was <laughs> immediately swapped out of those those clothes, and then of course he did the father daughter dance <laughs> in the NASCAR shirt. Ah, <laughs> uh, just classic shit, classic shit right there, man, classic stuff. Man, there's like there was a like thinking back about the stories with like Chris again. It'd be a lot cooler to have like Shelly on here to uh, reminisce about said things, but uh, <laughs> a lot of them I like. I feel like I shouldn't tell these stories. <laughs> they a lot of them involve like drugs and whatnot, <laughs> just doing like some fucked up shit. Like maybe I mean, statute of limitations are over. They're not involving crimes in myself. But, you know, do you, do, you, do I want, <laughs> should I say some of these stories? 
But I mean, we had some fun times. Um, I never really did much in the way of drugs, but I remember uh, the first drug deal I ever witnessed was with, of course, my cousin Chris. <laughs> As they searched for drugs, I was like fourteen at the time. And, you know, of course, he was in his like early twenties at that point, <laughs> and uh, Shelley was not happy that uh, he he took me along for this drug deal. <laughs> And part of it was the adventure of going to find the drugs. They were getting shrooms. And uh, so, I mean, you know, at least they weren't doing, like, heroin or something. Is it anything, like, ridiculous? Um, <laughs> but it was it was a journey. Was, we had to go through several places to talk to other people. And it was just, you know, before we could find that there was a trailer park involved. There was a video rental store where he knew somebody that worked there. There was... Then we ended up just going to somebody's house where they did it. <laughs> that was not a trailer park. I don't like. And on the way there, he had another buddy in the car. I I couldn't tell you the guy's name. Um, and uh, he always he he knew some sketchy people. He knew some sketchy people. <laughs> he was a funny. Chris was a funny guy though. Man, he was a funny guy. He had a great laugh. Great sense of humor. Um. <laughs> but uh, he he was quite the character. Uh, anyway, his friend again. He knew some crazy people, and uh, I feel like on the way to this drug deal <laughs> to pick up these drugs, like I came close to almost watching a murder. Well, maybe not quite a murder, but at least an assault that would have maybe ended in like a couple of broken bones or something. Because uh, as I was in the back seat, his buddy was in the passenger seat. I don't recall. I, I'm assuming Chris was driving. I don't know. This is a, this would have been this would have been like thirty fucking years ago, almost like damn near thirty years. So my recollection of it, not great, <laughs> not great at all. And uh, his buddy sees somebody riding a bicycle uh, on the road there. He's just like it. And I don't think he even said anything to anybody else. He just goes, you know what? And I feel like he meant to actually hit the guy, but I mean, I don't know. I, maybe he was just trying to scare the guy on the bike. But as I recall, he flings open the door at the guy on the bicycle as we're driving by. I don't remember how fast we were going. Again, nearly 30 years ago. <laughs> and as I recall, he didn't actually hit the guy on the bike. But I, if I remember correctly, the guy in, on the bike ended up, like, fucking swerving out of the way and falling off the bike. And we just left. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the guy on the bike. Pretty sure he didn't die that day. Who knows? Maybe another car came along and hit him, but uh, I was, I mean, again, I'm, like, 14. We're going on the way to a drug deal, and this guy, uh, my cousin's buddy, almost, like, assaults a guy. But these were the kind of adventures that I knew that, you know, would transpire when I'd go to visit, which uh, <laughs> normally I wouldn't sign up for that kind of thing. But it always ended up, you know, I usually end up with some good stories. And again, there's, yeah, I, I as I know that at least uh, I, I, some family members have listened to this podcast of like, I don't know that I want to uh, divulge a whole lot of shit. Mainly the stuff, the stories aren't that bad. Again, I don't know. Normally, I don't give a shit about telling stuff that I've done. 
I don't know. I feel weird, even though, like, you know, he's passed away now. But also, you know, I mean, there's he's got children, you know, and uh, they know that he did some some uh, some stuff <laughs> already at this point. Still, I don't know. I feel weird about it. I feel like it would be better if like uh, to get into the stories with Shelley there. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, it uh, it, re- it really sucks for his uh, children there. Is uh, yeah, yeah. I can. I mean, I was, I was eighteen when my father passed, and uh, I mean, I can sort of relate there. I mean, Cole, his uh, son with Misty, he was like fifteen, I guess, when Chris passed. And now he's eighteen now, but. Uh, <clears throat> So, I mean, I can kind of relate, but like, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, sucks. <clears throat> <It's>, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to find a good segue out of this. <laughs> I feel like I've painted myself into a corner here. Uh, I know that, uh, I, the, uh, writer strike is over, but I believe the actors guild might still is still on strike i'm not sure how that works at this point um but uh that being said it at least i'm somewhat glad that uh i'll be able to get some entertainment again at some point some new entertainment that's you know something to look forward to unfortunately though i was getting into the uh Strike Force Five podcast, which, if you're unaware of this, the uh, late night talk show hosts, that being uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, John Oliver, Seth Meyers, and one Stephen Colbert, joined together, joined forces during the strike, and did a podcast which I believe I mentioned already on this podcast. I don't know. As soon as I get done recording, I tend to just black out and forget everything I said. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I enjoy talking, obviously. I've done 580, uh, making adding this episode that's 580 episodes. They're all at least an hour apiece, basically. <laughs> Some of them longer. Uh <laughs> So yeah, I've done a little bit of talking, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'll immediately f- fucking forget. The next day, I'll edit, slightly edit. I'll fucking add in like the theme song, or well, the opening sound, the little intro, and the ending intro. Basically, is all the editing I do, <laughs> unless there's like an obscenely long pause or something. If I know I I had a, like a really long pause for whatever reason, I might try to take that out. But you know, it's over an hour hour of audio. And uh, I don't do it, go back and it immediately after, which would probably make the most sense because I'd kind of remember <laughs> what I needed to take out. But I, even after over a decade of listening to myself in audio, I don't really enjoy listening to myself. <laughs> I can deal with it. I can listen to myself, but it's like, I definitely don't want to listen to myself for over an hour <laughs> or an hour, up to an hour. Fuck. So... I, you know, I'd like to re-listen to over parts of it so I can get an idea of like, oh yeah, that's what I was talking about. 
so I can make notes of what kind of was in the episode. A little inside baseball there. Um, but that being said, I've enjoyed listening to the Strike Force Five. And they had, uh, on the last episode they dropped, they had David Letterman on there. And listening to that episode, I'm like, man, I love hearing these stories about the behind-the-scenes behind shit. The, you know, just running a, a late-night talk show, like all of them have. And uh, <laughs> they're in the podcast like, no one, no one's interested in these stories except for these people doing this podcast. I'm like, God damn it. I, I'm interested. Damn you, Stephen Colbert. I am interested. And unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> um, the late night shows are coming back next week, so the podcast is over. Although apparently they they bagged several episodes, and I think they're releasing like 12 altogether or something like that. I think that's what they said they had recorded. Either way. Um, it's gonna. It's, it's a damn shame. I've enjoyed listening to the podcast. As uh, but uh, I I've missed getting my late night talk show bits. I I really uh like Seth Meyers' a closer look. That was a good segment, and uh, with Colbert, man, I I was such a fan of the Colbert Report. You know, I like you know I'll watch some of his stuff on the late night with Stephen Colbert, but I loved him in character. I fucking loved that man in character, and uh, I I loved him as a correspondent on the Daily Show, even you know way back in the day, twenty fucking years ago. <laughs> My favorite, uh, favorite thing he would uh, do when he was correspondent. Every time he'd go out on a field piece and he's interviewing somebody, he would end it with one question. George W. Bush, great president or greatest president? (laughs) (laughs) This was, of course, during the George W. Bush administration. And, uh, you know... Invading Iraq and all of that <laughs> after that. And uh, usually the people he'd be interviewing this and they would be like, uh, neither? And he was always like, I'll put you down for great. <laughs> it, was so, it was so good. He was, he just, uh, I love the, he did the pool squint with the glasses. He would, Yank the glasses off and then like furl the one eyebrow and just squint and just, oh, his truthiness. The words he would make up were just fantastic. Fantastic. I feel like I like, man, I would I would love to do like a a late night talk show. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, it'd be all Tom Green style. I mean, I've got nothing going on downstairs. I could set up a fake talk show. <laughs> and just, you know, invite people over, like order a pizza, have the pizza guy come in and just like interview him. Don't let him know what, what's coming in. Just like, come in. Hold on. I got to get the money. Let me get the money. <laughs> just like, hey, you, let's sit on. Hey, it's the pizza guy's here. The pizza guy. 
It's, you've been working for Domino's for how long exactly? Now, talk to me about crust. <laughs> you know, and be like, are you doing any jobs on the side? Are you also a drug dealer? I know a lot of you are, or so I've heard. <laughs> you know, and just like, uh, have like a, I mean, I I can't have a, ba- a real band here, but. You know, I if I had the soundboard set up to where I could just hit things and just like, there's the band. <laughs> it would basically be like Kramer when he had the Merv Griffin set in his apartment. That was fantastic. That's what I should be doing with my life is just have a fake talk show going on 24-7. Randomly call people over without their knowledge of what is going, what is transpiring. <laughs> and then just interview them like it's a late night talk show. But, you know, I could still put it on the Internet. Would uh, th- that would be awesome? But then I, you know, I'd have to get a fucking desk. That uh, everything and furniture, which I still don't have. And uh, <laughs> I've got microphones. I got that covered. Um, but uh, <laughs> that that's just just too much work. I mean, I'm. I've already. I. I didn't really have intentions of doing that. It would be funny, though. It would be funny. Just interviewing regular people. Stephen Colbert talked about. I guess when he when he did the late night sh- when he started late night. If I remember correctly, they. I don't remember where it was. It might have been Detroit. It was some city. They decided they wanted to do, get the first show out of the way. Just get a feel for what they wanted to do. And so they went and did like a local like cable access <laughs> show somewhere. They took on and did like a whole show just for one little neighborhood basically. And uh, like Wayne's World style. And, and did it like that, and uh, that w- that would be great to see. I would like that. I know. I do. Le- I used to watch a fuck ton of late night television. Like now, when I watch it, I just get clips on YouTube. But back in the day, when I had like actual cable <laughs> instead of just internet access, um, I would actually tune in at the time it, it aired, and uh, you know, I didn't sleep much, so. Uh, <clears throat> I would just go on and and watch it uh, when it aired. I watched a lot of Letterman back in the day. A lot of Letterman. Um, Conan was probably the biggest late night host that I, I ever watched. Which sadly, he has not been. He, As far as I know, he has not been a part of the Strike Force 5. Maybe he will be on a future episode that has not dropped yet. Again, they, I think they said they only did like 12. And from what I gather, from what they're talking about on the Letterman episode, I don't think they did it with Conan. <laughs> Which apparently he had asked. <laughs> like, hey, can I... Because uh, he podcasts now. And his podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, fantastic stuff. And they do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. A lot of people that are, were uh, writers and uh, did other jobs for Conan. I've been on there and talked about like the history of uh, 
doing the Tonight Show, Late Night with Conan, and Andy Richter, who was his co-host forever. Um, podcasts is uh, was it three questions with Andy Richter or something like that. And uh, I just, I love hearing those. But inside baseball stuff. <laughs> oh man, Conan was was so good, so good. And uh, like, and the, I loved just the oddness of uh, the shit they would do on there. Like uh, they had uh, all their characters. Like they do character orgies with like Pimp Bot, <laughs> the robot that was also a pimp. And uh, he was a. I always love hanging with my bitches. Talking about I'll cut your ass. <laughs> and uh, of course, masturbating bear was probably the most epic character on the Conan O'Brien late night with Conan O'Brien. And uh, well, I guess that was on the Tonight Show as well. I feel like those characters migrated over. We only did that for like, maybe a year or so. <clears throat> And then the TBS show, he was unable to do all those characters that uh, were fucking awesome. The bait and bear. The master baiting bear. I mean, that's just television gold. And looking back at, like, when uh, Conan was a writer on SNL, you can tell, like, stuff, like, he helped out on. And it was just kind of weird shit. <laughs> like, although some of that, I think, was Jim Downey, the, the legendary writer of SNL that uh, did a lot of writing with uh, Norm MacDonald. And uh, they both got fired over the whole OJ jokes from (laughs) an update, if I remember correctly. I know Norm did, obviously. But Jim Downey was recently on Conan's podcast. He was on there from, like, 77 on to 90-whatever, whenever uh, Norm got got the can. And... uh, yeah, classic shit, man. Love the uh, the late night shit, and uh, and of course SNL. Uh, but you know I've been uh, I've really uh, been missing having the late night stuff on because then I end up watching more political shit that shows up more on my my feed my YouTube feed because I'm not getting the late night shit. It's like ah, I don't, I don't really don't need more political stuff. Although the Lauren Boebert, uh, you know, giving a handy to her <laughs> date at the Beetlejuice play was pretty epic. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that, and uh, it's funny because here in a, like a week, Beetlejuice is coming to the Fox uh, theater in, in St. Louis. Uh, that's not owned by Agent Fox Mulder here, my sidekick. That's unrelated. <laughs> I ran by that theater a lot. Uh, and what have I done? Like three races that I ran past that. I mean, I love the outside of it. I've never actually—I don't think I've ever actually been in the Fox Theater. Uh, the, the cheapest ticket I could find for Beetlejuice was like 140 bucks or something like that. And I don't think I'm gonna be getting a handy either. Also, I don't know that I'd want to get a handy because there's probably going to be children in the audience. And I'd want to... <laughs> Although, I don't think that people are going to care to videotape me. They're just going to kick me out. And then that was, you know, if anything, I might get arrested. 
decent exposure or something. Getting a handy. Although maybe I could use that for a bid to run for Congress. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to doing, you know, things in the public sphere. Like, uh, I have partaken, I believe, in, in a little touch and grab in the theater, in a movie theater, that is. Uh, but there was, like, no, almost no one else in the theater. And there was no finishing. There was just, like, a little... F- if I remember, this was, you know, years ago. And it was... if I'm pretty sure it was, like, a rated R film, so there shouldn't have been any children in there. And, uh... You know, it, at nighttime, it's fun to, you know, go out to public areas after things shut down and just sneak in and just, you know, go to town. Or while driving. That's always fun, you know. And and extra dangerous. <laughs> but I feel like maybe that's more of the stain. I was in my 20s when I did said things. That's just probably best left to people in their 20s to make dumb decisions like that. Anyway, I mean, it was entertaining shit, though. <laughs> Seeing a member of Congress acting like that in public around children. Uh it's funny to me. Anyway, um, yeah. Apparently they, you know, finally arrested somebody over murdering Tupac. There's that. As uh, There was a docu-series I watched. I don't remember who put it out. It's like, I don't know, five or six parts several years ago. And uh, they basically said, if I remember, I yeah, I, I don't remember it that well. But I feel like Keefe D, the guy that was arrested, was basically fingered in there. <laughs> Much like at a Beetlejuice <laughs> play. Anyway, as uh, being one of the guys that uh, shot Tupac. And apparently the cops have basically just... Waited for him to finally start talking. There's the documentary. There was at least one book and stuff. And he's, over time, just basically admitted to a lot of shit. And they're just, you know, like, hey, it's a lot of good police work. I'm like, well, you just kind of waited him out. <laughs> this is what it sounds like. I don't know about <laughs> heavy police work, you know. I don't know what it entailed in that. I feel like that murder especially, um, the Biggie Smalls one, I don't remember the details about that one as much. I feel like there wasn't as much like surveillance footage and everything of the Biggie Smalls murder. The Tupac, I mean, it was like on the Las Vegas Strip, man. Like, they were just at was it the Palms? I don't remember which casino it was. But Tupac was at the fucking, uh, at the casino and with, I believe, probably Keefe D and stuff were also at, uh, you know what? I'm going to pull up the night of Tupac's murder. I'm, Let's see if that... uh, I want to know... 
the deets here. Oh shit! No, 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 no. Let's see here. Let's see what Wikipedia has to say about it, because we know they're always one hundred percent accurate. Because anybody can go on here and edit shit. <laughs> um. Oh well, they already put on that Dwayne Keefe D. Davis was arrested uh, yesterday. <laughs> I'm recording this on the. The 30th of, of September. Whereas uh, he was arrested on the 29th. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. There we go. Here's the shooting in the aftermath. Um, oh, well, this is the prior. The prior events are important. This is like the night of, I guess. Uh Prior events. Tupac Shakur attended the Bruce Seldon versus Mike Tyson boxing match with Marion Suge Knight, who's, uh, I believe, in jail for murder. Now, unrelated, I believe. Uh, he was, of course, uh, the head, Suge Knight being the uh, head of Death Row Records at the MGM Grand. Oh, it was the MGM Grand. Of course it was. Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. After leaving the match, one of Knight's associates, uh, Trayvon Trey Lane, a member of the MOB Pyrus gang based in Compton, California, straight out of Compton, um, spotted Orlando Baby Lane Anderson from the rival Southside Compton Crips gang in the MGM Grand Lobby, which, of course, there is again, there is video footage of this altercation. Earlier that year, in July of 96, Anderson and a group of Southside Crips attempted to rob Lane in a Foot Locker store at the Lakewood Center Mall in Lakewood, California. Lane told Shakur, who in turn attacked Anderson in the lobby, Shakur asked Anderson if he was from the Southside Crips and punched him in the face, knocking him to the ground. Uh, Shakur and Knight's entourage assisted in assaulting Anderson. The fight, which was captured on MGM Grand's video surveillance, was broken up by hotel security. After the brawl, Shakur returned to his hotel, the Luxor, Las Vegas. He disclosed to girlfriend Kidada Jones his involvement in the Anderson fight, previously having promised to return to her after entering the MGM Grand and having her stay in a vehicle. Shakur left with Knight in a BMW sedan after changing clothes and went to Club 662, which was owned by Knight, to perform at a charity concert. Then, of course, we get to the shooting in the aftermath, which is around 11, 11.05 p.m., or 11 to 11.05 p.m. Shakur and Knight were halted on Las Vegas Boulevard. You know, the bitch, they're on the fucking strip. By officer, they're halted by officers from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, bike patrol for playing the car stereo too loudly and not having license plates. The plates were found in the trunk of Knight's car. The party was released a few minutes later without being sighted at 11.10 p.m. while they were stopped at red light at the intersection of East Flamingo Road and Koval Lane in front of the Maxim Hotel. A vehicle occupied by two women pulled up on their left side. Shakur, who was talking through the window of his brand new 96 BMW 750IL, exchanged words with the two women and invited them to go to Club 662. Um, 
Then at 11.15, a white four-door late model Cadillac pulled up to Knight's right side. The shooter seated at the back of the Cadillac rolled down the window and rapidly fired gunshots from a 40 uh, caliber S&W Glock 22. Uh, well, I guess that's not caliber. Uh, yeah, 40 S&W Glock 22 at uh, Shakur's BMW. Shakur was hit four times, twice in the chest, once in the arm, once in the thigh. One of the bullets went into Shakur's right lung. Knight was hit in the head by fragmentation. Shakur's bodyguard Frank Alexander stated that when he was about to ride along with Shakur in Knight's car, Shakur asked him to drive Jones's car instead in case they needed additional vehicles from Club 662 back to their hotel. Alexander reported in his documentary Before I Wake that shortly after the assault, one of the convoy's cars followed the assailant, but he never heard from the occupants. Yaki Gaddafi was riding in the car behind Shakur with bodyguards at the time of the shooting and along with members of the death row entourage refused to cooperate with police. Of course they did. I mean, they were, they themselves were, you know, known for, uh, doing illegal things. It's not, not, uh, not good for you to, uh, <coughs> you know, talk to the cops and all anyway. Gobi Rahimi, a death row music video director who visited Shakur at the hospital, later reported that he received news from a death row marketing employee that the shooters had called the record label and threatened Shakur. Gobi, uh, Gobi told Las Vegas police but said they claimed to be understaffed. No attackers came to the hospital. Shakur said he was dying while being carried into the emergency room. At the hospital, Shakur was heavily sedated, was placed on life support machines, and was ultimately put under a medically induced coma. After repeatedly trying to get out of bed, he was visited by Jones and regained consciousness when she played Don McLean's Vincent on the CD player next to his bed. According to Jones, Shakur moaned and his eyes were filled with mucus and swollen. Jones told Shakur that she loved him. Uh, bah, bah, bah. It gets into... Yeah, yeah. What I was going to get into, though, the the whole point of this was like, holy shit. I mean, it was on the goddamn strip, man. The Vegas Strip. <laughs> you, they just had an altercation with the police. You know, they stopped them for not having the plates. And motherfuckers, you tell me <laughs> they were not able to track whose fucking car this was. There's got to be an insane amount of pictures. I mean, it, of course, it was at nighttime. But still... There's got to be, I would imagine, surveillance cams on all these fucking big-ass casinos and shit they're driving by. Like, holy shit. As, uh... It seems like they should... It shouldn't have taken 20-plus years. Uh... Close to damn 30 years. Shouldn't... I would think. To solve this, you know... uh, But I'm not a cop. Or a detective. I, I don't know what goes into that. And, of course, obviously, I mean, it seemed to me that uh, I would think that a lot of cops would just like, you know what, with the whole Biggie and Tupac things, like, you know what, they settled it themselves. <laughs> and, you know, maybe they have just more important shit to deal with <clears throat> than uh, basically gang-on-gang crime. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't really have much to say about that. But what I was going to get to 
unrelated. Well, related ish. There's a St. Louis band um, that put out a classic song. Uh, I don't know what year it came out. This is, this is over a decade old. I know that. And uh, a band called Matt's Dad's Basement. I've never seen the band live or anything. I'm pretty certain they're from St. Louis. But they they put out a classic banger called Tupac at McDonald's. <laughs> it's basically saying, you know, they're, uh, I don't know if they seriously thought they saw Tupac at McDonald's, but it's a great song. Great song. And uh, to just, you know, run into it. I was like, oh, he's alive. There's, it's just like a an acoustic guitar. I think maybe some maracas or something in the background. There's a little something for a little percussion in there. And then just like a, just, I mean, it's not a rap song. It's just, you know, it's almost like a, a pop ballad, if you will. It's uh. <laughs> It's a classic, though. You, sh- If you haven't heard it, def- definitely pull that one up on YouTube. It's good stuff. It's almost reminiscent of Dynamite Hack's cover of uh, Boys in the Hood. <laughs> it's almost got that kind of a feel to it, which they you know, took a song that was a rap song and then turned it into <laughs> what it was. A, ra- uh, uh, a pop uh, parody of it, I guess. I mean, they didn't change the words, so I guess not really a parody. But it doesn't have the... Fe- it's kind of funny when you just have it with like this singing like uh, like they do on the, the dyna- Dynamite Hack version. Instead of rapping it and everything, it's got a way different vibe. Uh, yeah. As uh, I I am really looking forward to having a couple of days off. Um, I'm off on the twelfth and the thirteenth, which I believe I talked about last week, and uh, I plan to stream on Twitch for Friday thirteenth. Um, on of course my my Twitch page, uh, Clover Strife, all one word, Clover Strife. Uh. And I haven't seen any more news, unfortunately, on the new uh, Friday the 13th game, which I would, I really want to know more about that. Was uh, I was uh, Jackman's son, uh, Marcellus. Um, of course, you know, I lived over Jackman's house for over a decade in the Slapbox Bunker. It's the former home of the Slapbox Bunker, their house. Um, and Marcellus just turned 13. Uh, <clears throat> went over there, and uh, Marcellus informed me he's he's big into horror movies, stuff. He loves some Evil Dead and uh, Friday Thirteenth and whatnot. And uh, he informed me the sir. Maybe I had heard something about it, but they're finally shutting off the Friday Thirteenth game uh, servers for the game that uh, of course came out uh was it 2016 or whatever that was but it's it's, it's kind of fucking sad that they're uh they'll be shutting down the servers so you won't be able to do online play on that anymore it was 2017 2017 um god damn it 
What the fuck? This is uh, I'm looking. Oh yeah, this is this is old news. This uh, I'm looking to see. They don't have anything on uh, yeah, 2018. They stopped putting out new content because of the fucking lawsuit. That lawsuit just told that game was so fucking awesome. Ugh. Yeah, there's there's a few articles on the end of end of that game, but not I don't see a whole lot on the new one. <sighs> it just yeah, it says here on uh Kotaku.com popular horror game Friday the thirteenth will be delisted, replaced everywhere. Developer Gun Interactive just sounded the death knell for the interactive asymmetrical survival horror game, which it's like the best of the best as far as those games are concerned. Asymmetrical multiplayer survival horror game Friday the 13th. The game has been at a standstill since getting engulfed by a battle uh, for franchise rights in 2018. It's been a slow death, but on June 8th, developer Gun announced that it was finally over. The game's license expires on December 31st, and on that date, F-13 will no longer be available for purchase in any form. The game will, however, continue to function through at least December 31st, 2024. Oh, 2024. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's, unless they misprinted that, then it, we got another year. If you already own it, it will continue to function until then. Gun wrote in a statement posted to Twitter. In the meantime, Gun says it's making the base game $5 and each piece of downloadable content an additional dollar now through December 31st. I feel like they mean to say 2023. Though online stores like Steam currently list the game for $15. Uh, says we are happy. The game will live on a, a while longer and continue to be enjoyed by anyone owning the game already. Gun is now turning his attention to its adaptation of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which uh, was not quite out by the time of this article. And I got to say, I mean, it's a cool game. Um, I haven't played it really since that one weekend where I was streaming on Twitch. <laughs> been busy. Been working a lot. Anyway, art and audio director and Gun Interactive CEO uh, Wes Keltner said the, his studio wants to make sure that each player feels like they've just been through their own personal version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I prefer the Friday the 13th, to be honest. Um, but for us, the developer, he continued, we're going to look at the original property and say that's what we're making. That game is scheduled to release August 18th. It already came out. Friday the 13th fans might also have something to look forward to in an interview with uh, Rely on Horror. Composer Harry Manfredini, who is responsible for most of the F-13 series' chilling music, including the game's soundtrack, said he is now involved with another studio's more realistic-looking game, which I like the look of the, the Friday the 13th game. But, I mean, I'm cool with it, I guess, being more realistic. The game will be supposedly done a different style than the previous asymmetrical multiplayer title, which is the same shit I basically read last week. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, so it doesn't look, I'm not really seeing any, any new news. Um, that's, that's a damn shame, man. It's a damn shame. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to play play that shit though I'm, I'm gonna play it 
like I said, uh, it's been shit. It's probably been a couple of years since I I played Friday Thirteenth game. So it'll be it'll be good to to uh, go over that. I'm gonna have to watch at least like a a couple Friday Thirteenth movies leading up to it. As to which ones, I'm not sure. I mean, part four for me. I feel like that one's a must. I mean, that's a classic. I've got them all on like DVD. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I have any of them on Blu-ray. But I need to. I need to go back and uh, part four. Well, you know, part three. Maybe <laughs> just leading up that whole week, I should just start just binging them. Maybe start this week. I don't know. I've got one more episode of Soka to watch. Which won't take that long. Although I feel like that one should hopefully be at least like an hour. There's a lot that they need to do in this last episode, I would imagine. So maybe it'll be an extra long one. Anyway, I would... I need to definitely get part four in. Because that's the one uh, where Tommy Jarvis, played by then Corey Feldman, um, and don't... Ask me what the other two actors were that played Jeremy Jarvis. Uh, but part four was Corey Feldman. And, uh, of course, that was the first time Tommy Jarvis killed Jason. And uh, I that's the one I've got the mask uh, modeled after that I, uh, years ago, uh, the YouTuber Big Hush makes uh, Friday the 13th masks, Jason masks. like, uh, And uh, he's, he makes all kinds of different Jason masks. It's pretty awesome. He shows you how he does it, and you can follow along, basically. But I made part four, and uh, then I I definitely need to watch part three because that's where he gets the fucking hockey mask. I mean, I feel like almost I need to watch maybe maybe one through eight. (laughs) I think I'm back. I do have such a love for Friday the 13th. I mean, part six is a must. I mean, part five, I could skip part five. Part five, okay. Of course, the original Friday the 13th, um, Jason wasn't the killer in it. it spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie that came out, what, 79, 80, 81? I don't know, somewhere somewhere around there. Spoiler alert. This movie's over 40 years old. <laughs> His mother was the killer in the original. And then there's one other one where he's not the killer. Although nine, uh, I mean, he kills, but he's only in it really as Jason himself in the very beginning and the very end. The rest of it is the slug going from body to body. So it's sort of Jason killing people, not really. Uh, that one's that one's a bit annoying. That one, I think that one's worse. I think that is worse than Jason X. That one, I'm like, I can skip those, and I definitely will not feel sad about that one <laughs> one damn bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, yeah, I'll skip nine. Um, I don't feel like I need Freddy versus Jason. I mean, I love me some Robert Englund. I love fucking Freddy. Uh, that is being Robert Englund is Freddy. But uh, I feel like I can. I don't. I don't need that one because that, that one feels more like Freddy to me. It's just like the Jason's just, just kind of an added bonus. But uh, and though that has the greatest fucking line 
<laughs> probably any Friday the 13th movie, which you have Kelly Rowland in there. They're in the van. They've got Jason in the back of the van. Uh, Freddy's got him in the dream world, and he's he's about to kill Jason. He's got him on the fucking ropes. Freddy is pulling the strings. He is he's about to murder this mother, unkillable beast. And uh, of course, he's drowning him because you know the big fear for Jason because he when he was a kid he drowned, which set off the whole chain of events for the whole franchise. As the camp councils were too busy fucking, well. Uh, <laughs> Jason was out there drowning. And uh, that's why mommy went on her murder spree. And so f- then, you know, they killed mommy in the first one. <laughs> what? And uh, since then, you know, the, after that, then Jason was basically going on his rampage to avenge the the counselors killing his mother. Uh, and I guess for letting him drown. <laughs> that might have been a bonus for him. Win-win, I guess. And uh, anyway, the line as he's uh, drowning uh, in the dream world and in the real world, because they the big pl- uh, spoiler to Freddy versus Jason came out with like I don't know a long time ago, <laughs> early two thousands. Uh, <clears throat> their big plan is, of course, they need they're more scared of Freddy. Freddy's more of a, an issue here. As I figure, Jason is their best way to kill Freddy. So, they need Jason to win. And, uh... Because without... Without Freddy involved, like, Jason just sticks to Camp Crystal Lake. Just as long as you stay out of Camp Crystal Lake, you're good, man. You're good in the hood. Just stay away from that fucking lake. Don't be a camper. Don't be a camper. Which people playing Call of Duty should really take heed. You know, don't be a fucking camper. Jason will kill you. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> anyway, yeah. So the line comes from, they've got like three people in the van. There's Kelly Rowland. There's the nerdy kid that looks kind of like Shia LaBeouf, but he's not Shia LaBeouf. I don't remember his name. And then some other actor that maybe only done Freddy versus Jason. He's that guy's driving. He's a more of a kind of preppy guy. And, uh, <laughs> The dirty guys is like in the back, if I recall correctly, with Jason as he's drowning. And of course, <laughs> he's drowning. Jason is drowning. He's coughing up water. They're like, no, he's dying. This is our only chance of surviving to defeat Freddy. We need this fucking unstoppable monster that is Jason to kill him. But Freddy's going to end his life now. <laughs> he's going to be the final end to Jason Voorhees. And uh, they were like, we need to do CPR. <laughs> and then the nerd kid's like, man, like, I, I can't. I have asthma. And then Kelly, Kelly Rowan's like, come on, you got it. Like, and then the driver's like, uh, Kia. Her name is Kia, like the car. <laughs> it's like, damn it, Kia. He has asthma. <laughs> Just look, the, or I don't know. There's no damage. It's just Kia. He has asthma, which I w- I need to have that as a, a drop, man. That is uh, great audio. I don't have it pulled up. 
Um, but holy shit, that's like the <laughs> my favorite line at all. Like the Friday the 13th. I mean, there's no other line that like really strikes me at the, at the top of my head right now. But that one is just like Kia. He has asthma. And of course she tries to give him mouth to mouth. But at that point, I think is when he, he launches up like, right. And she's like putting his, her mouth on this fucking rotting corpse. Is <laughs> this corpse that's been like brought back to life, which uh, eventually they were going to say that it had to do with the Necronomicon from evil dead because they wanted, and there was at least a comic, I believe of this. If I'm wrong in that, but they were, you know, they wanted to do an Ash versus Jason versus Freddy movie, which, holy shit, I am sad that never happened. And of course, Ash would have to fucking win that, right? Ash would have to win. And uh, hopefully, he wouldn't have had to give <laughs> Jason mouth to mouth. Although that might have been kind of hot seeing uh, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> give a mouth to mouth to a rotting corpse that's somehow alive uh, I mean he had to do a lot for the Evil Dead franchise to begin with I mean that was like uh, just the you know being covered in, that would probably be easier for him to deal with than like just being non-stop drenched with blood I mean you you watch that stuff I mean they just constantly just cover it like he was breathing blood for like most of those movies <laughs> Make it out with a corpse. It was a fake corpse, you know. Couldn't have been that bad, right? <laughs> uh but uh Yeah, we missed out from that. And uh, a little late in the game now. He's uh Bruce Campbell's pretty fucking old. Though I did finally watch Evil Dead Rise. As I am watching more horror movies in general right now, as I'm prepping for Halloween. I, I do love that. As side note, maybe I mentioned this last week or not, uh, but I did for uh, Marcellus when he turned 13, of course. Uh, it was Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was Tuesday. Yeah, it was the 26th. Uh, I got him the uh, Hellraiser puzzle box that. Uh, you can actually put uh, take it apart, and uh, it's got like two little formations you can do it. It's got chains on the inside, no hooks, but it's got chains. And the the box was surprisingly hard to figure out how to open it initially, <laughs> as I think the big issue was, um, it's just really tight, you know, real tight. And uh, you gotta, you gotta really ease it in there. If you know what I'm saying, ease it in. It's nice and tight. You ease it in. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh, it was. It turned out to be a nice, uh, decent box. Um, I was at an Amazon deal. That uh, not not too insanely expensive. Um, I feel like there's probably ones out there that are way more involved, but probably get pretty pricey. I do love fucking Hellraiser, man. I, I still need to go back and watch the latest Hellraiser where it's a female player. I have not seen it yet. I need to I need to get on that one. But, uh, back to the Friday the 13th, yeah. I will probably skip over Freddy vs. Jason. So, again, that fucking line is fucking classic. <laughs> 
I feel like part one might just be a must, but it's like it's also the only Jason you get is at the end when he jumps out of the fucking water as a as a child and t- uh, takes a girl out of the canoe. And uh, I mean, there's those early ones are, are basically the best ones, of course, which is generally the thing in in the movie franchise. The earlier stuff when they have uh, more unique ideas. <laughs> um, two, it's kind of classic to see him in the the bag, where he's got the one eye poked out. Uh, but again, like it's not really a must. Um, I only, I love the first one because some of the kills are pretty epic, like the uh, whole uh, Kevin Bacon. I mean, you get Kevin Bacon. How can you go fucking wrong? It's got Kevin Bacon. His kill where he gets like the arrow through the chest is pretty epic. And I, I've watched, you know, stuff on how, how they did that, of course, with uh, Mr. Tom Savini. It's a pretty classic. I definitely think my musts are three and four. Um, five, not so much, which I was going to get back to. Like the mom was the killer in the original. And the only other movie where Jason isn't the killer is part five because there's a fucking copycat killer. It turns out it's not actually Jason. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that was not as good. Tommy Jarvis is, makes his second appearance. He was in part four. Tommy comes back for part five. And then part six is one of the most epic. I think part four might be the best. Part three is pretty epic because he, get, he gets the mask. Although, um, I didn't look... For whatever reason, they didn't play that one much whenever they used to have the Friday 13th marathons, like every Friday the 13th. I remember as a kid getting so excited because I still had cable back then. and be like, there's going to be a movie marathon at least two fucking channels. It'd be like USA or TNT or whatever. There'd be, there would generally at least like two channels that would have Friday 13th marathons, which I always loved because, you know, they weren't going to always play the one I wanted to watch. <laughs> you know, they weren't always going to play part six or part four. Um, part six is of course, Tommy Jarvis comes back as a, as an adult. And, uh, he unintentionally brings Jason back to life in the beginning by like having him struck, be struck by lightning. <laughs> and then, uh, that brings Jason back. So, so, so great. Um, and yeah, he has a showdown with with uh, Jason at the end. That was, I think, my favorite when I was a kid though was probably Seven. My cousin Jason, like really, uh, I think he was the first one to show me that one. And just how I, the this girl that fought Jason uh, had telekinesis, and she was uh, using her telekinesis abilities to fight Jason, and uh, that was just like the coolest of the cool. And, uh, but now I'm like, I mean, it's, it's still one of the better ones I'd say, but it's not, can't say it's my favorite. I don't, it's not necessarily a must. Then again, part eight, Jason goes to Manhattan. Oh, oh. the one time he leaves Camp Crystal Lake, <laughs> the last of the Paramount, um, Friday the 13th, and uh, I got to say, just fucking amazing stuff. 
amazingly classic. Like there's the guy that's the boxer that uh, tries to box Jason, and uh, Jason just like knocks his fucking head off. <laughs> uh, that shit is completely just so epic. Um, I fucking love that so much. I mean, you know, plot of it. I mean, not that any of them are really good on plot or anything, but it's definitely not the best of the Paramount days, but, but it has its place and it, it might squeeze its way into my watching. Do I watch it before seven? I think that's, that's a question. Do I place it before? I feel like, uh, I feel like if I watch either, I got to watch both of them. <laughs> I feel like I can skip Jason X and, and part nine can go to hell like with Jason because you know, that one's <laughs> Jason goes to hell. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm, I think that part three, part four, uh, part six, and then maybe seven and eight. That's kind of where I'm at. Definitely three, four, and six. Those three are definites. The rest, well, we shall see. <laughs> if I've gotten burnt out on Friday the 13th, I might get burnt out after two. But those were definitely ones that I was, when those marathons would happen, I'm like, oh, fuck yes. Three was on. Three was rare. And I remember th- thinking when I was younger, though, that like, three wasn't that great. But looking back on it now, because... It was meant to be a 3D movie. And uh, I always felt like it wasn't as good. As, but watching it as I told him, like, actually, it's one of the better ones. It's one of the better ones. Especially when you compare it to the new line stuff like uh, Part 9 and 10. Those can suck at Those just suck ass. Uh, <clears throat> 3, I mean, he first gets that fucking mask. He's just... Just fantastic. I mean, that is the Jason we know and love. He's got that green dicky shirt. He hasn't been fucked over with uh, toxic waste and everything yet. He hasn't uh, been in a coffin <laughs> for a decade. Uh, and uh, it's just goodness. He hasn't been stuck in a lake for several years. <laughs> like, under- Well, I mean, uh, I guess at that point... <laughs> As a child, I guess he was stuck in the lake. <laughs> I don't know what the... He, he looked a lot more clean, though. You know, part three. Um, then part four, he's got the wear and tear. Fantastic shit. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I could go on this for days. Just talking about Friday 13th and my love for it. As, uh, I'd, I'd say, though, Nightmare on Elm Street, though, I mean, that was always my go-to. That was the original Nightmare on Elm Street will forever, I think, be my favorite horror movie of all time. Wes Craven knocked it out of the fucking park with that. Even with the crazy ending with the blow-up doll for the mother getting pulled through the door, which he didn't want. I believe it was some kind of producer or somebody at New Line said that they wanted this to end this way. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it does look pretty cheesy, but I think hands down, they've shot that movie in like one month. They had one month to fucking shoot it. And that was that they had very little budget created a room that fucking spun to make it to where the, uh, 
when Tina's flopping around on the ceiling and shit, they just rotated the room, starched the curtains. I mean, just, oh, so good. The practical effects they did were just so great. And uh, fucking Robert England, man. Robert motherfucking England. The fucking laugh. Like anybody else does that, like Jackie, especially Jackie Earl Haley, which he's a, he's a good actor and all, but I realize when your character is a child murderer, probably shouldn't be likable, but let's face it, Robert England is likable as Freddy. He's fun. He's a funny guy. And, uh, he's, there's just this. Almost like a, you know, a stage actor, if you will. I mean, he's just got that voice and presence and everything that just, uh, whereas Jackie Earl Haley's just playing as a sick, demented child fucker. And uh, you kind of got the hint in the original films that maybe that ch- uh, Freddie was molesting children. But the main part was, I mean, he was murdering people, murdering kids, <laughs> at least teenagers. And... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, it was it was a different story when Jackie Earl Haley did it, and I, I just uh, it's it's uh, yeah, I love Nightmare on Elm Street though, the the OG. Ah, uh, but uh, with all of that being said, I yeah, I think I'm done here. Is uh, I, I'm afraid I, I could go on for days. Um, so as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.